Guess what, guys? We're back. Well, kind of, sort of, maybe. Uh, Derek's traveling this week. At week, he's at the National Association Automotive Museums conference, uh, someplace that I probably should be, but I'm not. Unfortunately, I am because that means Will and I can sit here and record this week. I do apologize for the last couple of weeks. We had a technical difficulty with editing and uploading and losing some files, and I've got all of those recovered. But then my week was a mess last week and I couldn't get that re-edited and there was recording issues and we just, just a kind of a, a mess, a mess of a couple of weeks there. Um, Will took a, a slight vacation and I would say, Will, why don't you tell us about some of the cars that you saw on your vacation? But I think you were on a boat, right? <laughs> I was on a boat and, uh, no, no Titanic thing. Oh no! You no, didn't, we, didn't we, didn't slip down under the decks with the wife and you know find a Renault Fuego and go crazy. Well, maybe not a Renault Fuego, but you know <laughs> <laughs> the other part might have happened. Oh, uh, the believe it or not, though, all the places we stopped there, I didn't see the first old car. Um, and we we went to San Juan was one of our stops. Um, I saw some pretty cool bikes motorcycles in uh in san juan but um you know as far as cool vintage vehicles i believe it or not i didn't see any uh so it's kind of odd being gone for seven days and not seeing any any vintage vehicles gone for seven days now we know why your schedule so busy you can't take seven days off work come back to 14 days of work you're exactly right think it kind of happens to all of us. Well, I think we were talking, and it's kind of come to light. I've heard it mentioned on a couple of other podcasts that I listen to, and uh, a couple people I know are dealing with some issues, but it's kind of the norm of the collector car hobby, but nobody ever explains why it's the norm or why it happens, and I think we're going to try to we're not going to tell you why it happens because I, I don't think anybody knows, but we're going to try to hash out some of the reasons and behind the scenes stuff that people won't tell you why this situation normally happens. And that is the, oh, we're going to be able to do that to your car for $75,000 and we'll have it done in six months and $100,000 and 14 months later, you have a car. <laughs> And the project's completed. And it, you, everybody jokes, everybody giggles about it. Um, but if you're new to restoration, custom car building, car stereos, heck, virtually anything beyond window tinting. Um, I bet you even when you go get wheels and tires, they never cost you what you think once they add. Well, you got valve stems and chrome caps and then mounting and then balancing and oh do you need an alignment and all of a sudden your you know eighteen hundred dollar set of wheels is 2350 <laughs> it just all of a sudden you know this money always creeps in when you play with play with the um or play with cars i guess uh podcast i listen to one you know guy kind of always comments that if you're able to enjoy this hobby have the car paid for and pay all your bills, you're winning the game. And it, you know, we joke about it, but it is, it is an evil. It does happen. Uh, 
I struggle to think of a time in my past that really I've come in on time, you know, on time and on budget or under budget once. Uh, it doesn't even happen with my own projects. Do you have any instances, Will, that you can think of that say you came in on time and on budget? You know, there are some times, but it was on very small projects. Um, when I say that, I mean, you know, vintage air installs, exhaust system, you know, building custom exhaust systems, stuff like that. But on a on a full build, um, never never been on time and uh, never finished uh, under budget. There was a couple we finished. Um, pretty much right at what they were wanting to spend. Uh, but pretty much all, it, it all goes over. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things that happen. It's, it's that situation, you know, where, Hey, I'm here. Why don't I go ahead and do this? And when that happens 15, 20, a hundred times, you know, your blood, your budget's blown all to hell. Um, but, at the end result, you're going to have a better car. You're going to have a better vehicle to, to cruise up and down the road and generally a safer vehicle as well. Yeah, I've always found that, like you said, something always creeps in, whether it be the, oh, I've had this car since new and it's ever been wrecked and you strip the paint off and you find a quarter panel had been smashed at some point in time. Might have been before the owner got it. And all of a sudden there's body work or uh, rust and corrosion slips in there or nobody ever thinks about the cost of, you know, nuts and bolts. And, you know, basically if you put say a two inch long three eighths bolt with two washers and a nut on it, that's 75 cents. And you do that, you know, a thousand times, it's $750 you've spent at just, and it, all that's that right. stuff has a way of creeping in. Uh, I find shops and um, I'll say I'm guilty of it. I think we all are, you know, always oversell yourself a little bit, hoping that you'll figure something out. And um, I'm dealing with a shop recently that <clears throat> is building a car for a um, consulting client I have. And basically I figured out, They've never worked with a motor that has variable valve timing in the past. They've worked with this type of car before. They've worked with things like this before, but they've never worked with variable valve timing. So they're having a lot of tuning issues and dyno issues. And, they, and of course, they won't admit to it. They always have some fancy excuse, but every excuse goes back to you don't understand the system. And they finally admitted, well, we're going to go have to go have to rent one of these cars you know, factory, so we can figure out exactly what it's supposed to look like on the dyno and the maps so that we can tune, you know, this project car that's being done. And that's delayed this car probably two and a half months. And even if it was done two and a half months ago, still, I'm trying to think, this was supposed to be a eight, nine, ten month build. I think the gentleman was supposed to actually have the car last summer. And he might get it by, and my best guess estimate right now is June of this year. So it's 12 months, you know, at that point, it'll be 12 months behind, which is a little excessive. And I guess that can go back to the vein of 
other things. Um, do you have any little quick examples or anything, Will, of maybe not your shop, but even experiences with other shops or picking up after other shops where they might have oversold their abilities and say Big Oak has to go back in and clean up somebody else's mess because we've all been there for that one too. <laughs> well, yeah, we've we've taken in a couple of different projects that's came out from other shops and um, it's, it, you know, it was always, you know, they were supposed to do this, they were supposed to do that. Of course, you're only getting one side to the story. You never really know exactly uh, exactly the situation, but the really probably the the biggest one we done was the the red 57 we called slugger um it was at a shop in tennessee and owner just got frustrated and you know found us and brought it to us and and you know really what had been done to the car the the work wasn't bad it was just you know one of those situations probably where uh you know it wasn't getting worked on or you know, already cost too much money or something like that. And, uh, you know, came to us and, uh, we finished it. So, uh, didn't really have any issues at all with the customer, uh, that went really smooth. So, you know, you never really know exactly in, in a situation like that. And, uh, I have been actually, we, we, <laughs> the green dart, it, it was a year, um, out of you know out of the time frame that was supposed to be done in we were supposed to have been in detroit the year before and we actually worked on that car another year and you know we we didn't kill ourselves to at the end to make it but it was still a, somewhat of a push to even get it done then a year out on on a major project like that we're talking sixteen thousand man hours in that car um it's still a little excessive i i can't say it's not um but we were definitely a year a year late on on that project there so yeah i've, <laughs> I've experienced it for sure Sixteen thousand man hours eight years of labor time on a car <laughs> yeah, that we done in three and a half well, and that's what, you know, some people don't understand is you can do, um, I always give, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, that when I'm talking to somebody about a restoration, when I was doing restorations, I do some consultation now on the side about restorations, and I'm doing restorations, not complete builds, but to take a car apart, put a car back together, a car with an interior, not a race car, which is what I deal with mostly now, do it right, and allow for one or two little problems, I say you've got 2,000 hours into a car. One year of one person working 40 hours a week. There's 2,080 work hours in a year for those that don't know that math. But so you basically have one year working on a car. You want a car done in six months, you need to have two people working on that car every week. But that doesn't speed it up. That actually slows it down a little bit because they're always waiting on one another or they're tripping over each other. Uh, you've got to have somebody who's actually in charge on that project. And, you know, there's ways to, you know, speed it up. You know, your 16,000 hours on uh, your green car, 
you could have done in a year, but you would have had eight guys working on it for one year. That would be, you know, that if I'm thinking, that's your entire shop working on it and dependent on one person for all of your income. And that is not a solid business plan in the restoration hot rod custom car world. You always have to have multiple projects going. They always have to be moving. You have to have your team divided up because if a customer does go broke or needs to back out or slow down the billing, um, it it affects the whole business. And, you know, these are little things that the client ne doesn't necessarily see. Again, like I said, 2,000 hours on a car, and I let's just use round numbers. I'm not reflecting on anybody's shop rates or, but say 100 bucks an hour, which to me is about a median across the country. I think in Alabama, you probably find a shop for 65, 75 an hour. You go to LA, you're probably going to be, you know, a buck 50, buck 65 an hour. But you figure 2,000 hours, you know, there's, again, 100 bucks an hour. There's $200,000 in restoration dollars in labor without buying parts. And now you put two people on it, you know, now all of a sudden you're asking a client to come up with $200,000 in six months instead of a year. Some, some have it, some don't. Uh, you know, realistically, you know, a lot of restorations aren't at that. $200,000 level, they're at a $50,000 level, but that's still $1,000 a week if you wanted it done in one year. You put two guys on it, now you're $2,000 a week. You put three guys on it, yeah, it's done in three months or four months, but you've got to come up with $3,000 a week for that period of time. And uh, no offense, most guys I know doing $50,000 restorations don't have $3,000 a week plus living expenses and food and uh, everything else in life. So it's, you know, there's always that fine line of the shop, you know, spreading the workload over multiple cars to maintain their solvency, make sure they're around, make sure there's food on the table for everybody. Uh, it's, you know, it's a poor business plan. And you, if you watch and monitor your restorations to make sure the shop's not using your money to restore somebody else's car, i.e., you get a bill for $5,000 and that $5,000 then allows the shop five grand to work on somebody else's car who then gets a $5,000 bill. And then they go and work on car C Why when that $5,000 bill gets paid. And then when car C pays his $5,000 bill, they go back to you and car A. That's not a solid business plan, you know, but in it, like I say, it it takes years of watching the industry to see shops that do that, and it does happen. And oh, yeah. shops get through it, and some shops close up. Uh, well, I'll tell you how we do it, and it works out really, really well for us. I know we're kind of getting off the off the path a little bit, but just to keep uh, it, it honest between the customer and and the shop, and there's no questions asked is. We only bill hours that have already been worked. So we don't take any upfront money unless we're ordering a set of wheels or, you know, something over, you know, 2,500 bucks, then, you know, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take some money up front to go ahead and get those parts on the way. But, you know, labor, we don't take a dime up front, never have and never will. It's just, um, just the horror stories of, of 
I've heard coming out of some of these shops where, you know, the customer pays, you know, half down and it just, it never, it never seems to work out right when you, when you take labor money up front. Yeah. It differs than most shops that I've been in. I guess um, I've worked in shops that do, you know, a $5,000 deposit. I've worked in shops that do $20,000 deposits and, you know, we get our money and then we work up to that, say, $20,000 and then we send you a bill for 20 and then you pay that, you know, we, we might, you know, we might work a week or two longer, but if you, you know, your bill's not paid within a short period of time, say 14 days or so, then we stop work on your car and go on to another project. And when you finally pay, you know, you wait till we rotate back around, kind of encourages, you know, paying but the shops never out any money. Uh, you know, we're, we're always working with your money. Um, but you know, to each his own, to each shop. Uh, I really like the way Will does it. It's, it's interesting. It's a risk, but you know, he's taking on some of the risk as opposed to you taking on some of the risk. And I think it's nice to see the shop share some of that risk. You know, it keeps, I think it keeps everybody a little bit more honest he's got your car to hold if you don't write him a check and you know, you've got your money to hold if he's doesn't get his ass in gear and you know, he sits there and podcasts instead of working on your car. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's worked out really well. We've been in business uh, this year makes 11 years and um, it's, it's worked out well, uh, you know, and it just comes to a point where, it, you know, if, if a customer don't, don't pay their bill within four weeks or so, then we just stop. Um, generally, you, you know, um, it don't take long to figure out a customer's, um, you know, reaction to everything. And you, you send them a bill and, and some of them pay you right away and, some of them wait a week or two and you know once you figure out how they do things it's it's really not an issue and uh, most of the time they're going to call and be like okay hey we we need to slow down a little bit or or hey let's 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 keep rolling you know we we communicate with our customers pretty well so it, it's um some some people like their bills emailed to them some still like uh, put a stamp on it and throw it into in the snail mail. So it, it just it just really depends on what the customer wants and how they're willing to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw in. I'm 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 a big fan of the snail mail bill. I find I get an email and it kind of once it slides off my phone screen or my iPad screen, I kind of forget about it, and then hopefully I remember to pay it. Where if the the paper bill. I see. Um, it's just one of those crazy things. But as everybody tells me, and my girlfriend regularly tells me, uh, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's, you know, I guess it did get us a little off topic, but that's a little bit of the, you know, building practices and shops to kind of pay, pay attention to if you're looking to have a car restored. Um, it can be a reason, like I said, that, you know, you don't pay your bill in a timely fashion. Your car gets pushed off any good shop has a list of work and has cars waiting and it's easy to fall back down that list is, you know, okay, I'm working on your insert car here. 
and you don't pay your bill, and I go on to the next guy who's ra- you know regularly pays his bill or pays it you know on time or gets an email to him, and you have you know the money deposited that afternoon, we're going to keep working on his car, and your car is going to kind of wait. And you know it's you know it. I guess you just got to pay attention and you know work with the shop, and if you're going to be a little bit lo- late with the payment or you know communication it, it's the same in every relationship um you know between your significant other to your dog to obviously your restorer or your 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 car builder it, it's communication you have to communicate you have to be clear um i'm a big one that you, you know don't make that last payment until you know you're picking up the car and you're satisfied with it and things like that but that's where we're supposed to be getting is why can't we pick up our car? You told me it was going to be done March 30th. Why are we sitting here in August and my car's still not done or. (laughs) That's, that's where the communication thing comes in real handy. (laughs) When, uh, you know, when you run into an issue, you just got to let them know when, when, when they call you and change things, that's when you have to let them know, Hey, you know, you're you're adding stuff here. You're adding to the to the to the date that it's supposed to be done, and you're adding to the bottom line of the money. So um, we allotted for you know wheels that cost thirty five hundred dollars, and you just you know chose wheels that that cost eighty five hundred dollars. And and not only and, that, we've already placed the order because the wheel company needs to know twelve weeks in advance to make them. And now we've got to pay a cancellation fee and you're now delayed, you know, twelve more weeks for your wheels. That's right. So, you know, that there's there's we call it the creep factor and it happens on every single full build that comes in the shop. You know, we, we start, we have a direction and it's always when we're here, let's go ahead and make, make these a little nicer. Or let's go ahead and make that a little nicer or let's tweak this just a little bit. So the body lines flow better or, you know, let's, let's go ahead and mini tub it while we're back here. You know, it, it just, it always happens. Um, and it, it, it's just one of those things. It's always those little details, and then the while you're at it, I mean, most of all of us, I assume listening to this podcast, have an apartment or own our own home, or we have a little project we start doing, and no, oh, while we're at it, you know, even as simple as, well, I'm unloading the dishwasher, uh, the Tupperware lids aren't quite stacking the way they're supposed to. I'm going to go ahead and just reorganize the Tupperware, and then all of a sudden, all of a <laughs> sudden, Sunday's gone, and your kitchen's rearranged. You know, the same thing, you know, same thing spirals out in a car. But as I, you know, take the wheel example there. Okay, I got to order those 12 weeks out. So they've been ordered for four weeks. You decide you want different wheels. Even if they cost the same amount of money, there's probably a cancellation fee, say 10%, so $350. But not only that, now I'm ordering you wheels. And guess what? It's still a 12-week lead time just because you changed your wheel doesn't mean you still the same stay in the same place in line. You move back down and you've added four weeks to your restoration and, you know, just be sure you really want those new wheels. 
And the same thing goes with subwoofers, ground effects kits, tires, headlights. You know, I was involved with a car or a restoration that we we got lucky and we found the headlights for the car in Paris. And we happened to know somebody going to Paris within a reasonable period of time. Otherwise, you know, this seller was not going to ship them to us. They had to be bought at his facility in Paris. You know, we just, you know, it'd be up to the client. Do you want to wait for somebody to go to Paris? Do you want to go to Paris and pick them up yourself? Do you want to send one of our technicians to Paris to pick these up? Or, uh, you know. How do you want to get to Paris? How do you want to get these because he's not using UPS? (laughs) And and not Paris, Georgia. (laughs) Paris, France. You know, it's little, little things like that. And a good shop, you know, it's, it's. I'm good at what I do in finding parts, and it makes it look simple. But there's a lot of time involved, and that's the whole thing is look behind the curtain. It's always, you know, 80 people running around like crazy. You know, Some of the events that I deal with, people think, oh, wow, these run so smooth, and you guys look so effortless. And uh, is it um, John Elway or Dan, I guess Dan Reeves used to say on the commercial, never let them see you sweat. And I always look calm and nice and I'm polite and I have all the time in the world when I'm in front of you talking to you. But as soon as you turn your back on me, I'm running around like a little chicken, a little leg scurrying, arms moving and, you know, <laughs> texting and sending an email and on a laptop all, you know, all at the same time. And, and, and that's what, you know, that's what a good shop's doing behind the scenes. We, we make it look simple and easy to you. And, Nothing simple and easy. If it was, everybody would do it. And all of that, you know, we have to instill instill confidence with you. Go back to the, you know, the issue that I'm seeing. And fortunately, I'm, you know, doing consultation for this gentleman and telling him what's, you know, I'm reading an email. You're reading the email and it's telling you it's take, you know, taking us three more weeks to do this. And but not really understanding why. I'm able to read through and go, no, this is my theory on why this is happening. And it's, it's kind of justifiable. He hates me telling him all the time, oh, this is understandable. This delay is understandable. I could see this delay coming. And we've hit a couple of delays that I warned him were going to happen because this is happening and this is happening. You're going to see a delay here. And I've told him how to avoid some of those delays. But sometimes your clients uh, don't want you know, don't want to follow that advice. And that's, you know, that's not for me to choose. I understand the principles and things involved in that, but it's happened on more than one occasion. You need to do this or ask this question and it'll prevent this. And sometimes it goes back to, you know, simple and simply analyzing the contract. You know, some, some shops were, you know, (laughs) okay, drop your car off. We're going to send you a bill in a couple of weeks. And some shops are, here's a 25-page contract. You need to read this and, you know, get it notarized and, you know, have four relatives sign it. And it's, you know, like getting a payday loan or something. Like I say, all, all of that gets involved. And that's that's the business side of the deal. Now, the physical side of the deal, slowing restorations down, the time frames. Um, where do we want to go on that, Will? I mean, there's... You know, like I say, it's it 
unfortunately, I guess what we've said is it all comes down to money, but it really doesn't. Well, I mean, ultimately, it, it does. It, it it comes down to money, and um, a good shop owner can read read a customer pretty quickly and understand if if they are one hundred percent stuck on a budget then you've got to do what you've got to do to stay within that budget. If you have a, a customer that's, you know, they know what they want. They're, you know, everybody has a budget in mind. There's, you know, there are some projects out there that are an open checkbook type of deal. And, and most of those are Riddler type projects and stuff like that, or a corporation you're building a car for SEMA and, You've only got six weeks to do it. They don't care how much it costs. They just got to have it done in this certain time or something like that. But, um, you know, if you got to be able to read your customer and, and if you're, if you're the customer, you need to, you know, let the shop owner know, Hey, look, this is, this is what I want. I'm not really, I don't, you know, I'm not pushing for a certain date to have it done. I know it's going to cost a lot of money. I'm not dead set on a certain number. I really don't want to go over this. Um, you know, those are those are your dream type customers. And then you have customers that say, hey, look, I want a 57 Chevrolet. I'm not willing to spend any more than $150,000. Go. Do you want to do it or not? You know, so... Learning, learning your customer is is huge, and then the customer really needs to spe- specify what he's really after. You know, if you're if if you're just wanting a car just to have a car, then you can pretty much have a budget and stick to it. If you're wanting to build a car for a specific award or a show or something like that, you better be willing to fudge a little bit on that budget, or or not really have a a, a hard budget in mind. Cause that that's when stuff starts getting a little crazy when you when like you're building a car to go to go to Detroit, and you know this new whatever comes out and it's something you got to have. Well, you know it's not just buying that part or having that part made. Now you got to go back and you got to modify this to adapt to that part, and, and you know it could totally change the whole outlook of the car. So. A lot of it, a lot of it, just depends on what the customer wants and what the customer's wanting to go for, and how quick they want it done. It's at every little variable. Let's go something as simple as a head unit for a radio. All of a sudden, you choose. Yeah. Okay, I I would like, you know, this this one, and you went from a double din to a single din. And now all of a sudden that single den, you need yep. to redesign the custom center console or some piece of the dashboard that you've already cut to fit that double den. And then all of a sudden you've got back structure you've got to worry about. And you know, all of a sudden a, a, a simple, oh, it's only $30 different in the radio is now 15 man hours at 100 bucks an hour and another another $1,000 in materials. And if it's already covered in leather or foam or the upholster has already been there, add more to that little, you know, little change. So when you do go and you you call up Will and you say, hey, I need to change this, or you call up your restorer and say, hey, can we do this? And then they say, yeah, no problem. 
go, well, what's it going to take? Always ask that question. If they don't t- start telling you, go, oh, now you do realize if we do this, we're going to have to do this and this and this. If they don't say that to you, say, uh, this is what I want to do. And they say, okay, you've got a big bill coming. You know, just say, okay, this is what oh, yeah. I would like to do. What's going to be involved in doing it? And then listen to them and then try to weigh is it that important? Because like I said, a $30 change of something that's as simple as one inch, you know, of dashboard space, Half you know, inch, everything changes. You go from an yeah, iPad to an inch. iPad mini laid into your dashboard. You go from a 370 headlight to a 350Z headlight, you know, oh, it's just a Nissan headlight and it's a slightly different shape. Well, if the car, all the metal work's done and the body work's done and all the panel gaps are done, you just added two months to your job, you know, even if it's not in paint yet. It's better if it's not in paint. But It's funny you mentioned the radio thing. That that, that exact same thing happened to a car here. A uh, guy wanted a, you know, a, a good radio and a good head unit and wanted a backup camera and all this stuff. And we're like, all right. So we found a nice little compact unit and, and come to find out he wanted a, you know, the biggest, aftermarket screen you could get that was a head unit and i'm like dude we've already made the dash for your car and he goes okay this is what i want and i want it in my in my car all right so we pulled the dash out and cut it apart and remade that section of the dash and i mean and like you said it's not just remaking the dash you've got to remake how everything's installed there wasn't a trim piece for this type of uh, head unit it was designed to go in like a, a new tahoe or something like that that has a you know a trim package that you buy with the radio so we had to machine out an aluminum trim ring and i mean it it, it turned into a whole 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 lot of work uh, but at the end of the day the guy was that's what he wanted and uh, that's what we did and he was happy and you know the backup camera and everything worked great and uh, went in there and deleted a bunch of crap out of it and he could watch movies going down the road and <laughs> you know uh but that's what the that's what the customer wanted so that's what we did yeah i have a fairly fairly regular client that i work with that he'll have something done and then look at it and go i don't like it do something else but that's just the way he works, you know, and he can afford to do that, but it, you know, it's not very cheap. I mean, you can literally get a project done, complete, ready to deliver. And he'll go, nah, I don't like whether it be color, the way something's shaped, whether, you know, you know, you push down on the vents to close the vents. No, I want it to push up on the vents to fully close the vents, little things like that. He he doesn't care. Just change him. I want I want it that way. And okay, you go back and do it. And then he goes, no, that that's pretty stupid. Put it back the other way. And as long as he's willing to write the check, you do it. But not everybody's like that. And always ask questions. Just <laughs> because you know, shops are going to tell you yes because they're going to want to make you happy. And then what makes you know will deal with you being unhappy with the money later and like i said this all really unfortunately comes down to money but it's just always the available time what's what's there and as will said multiple times in this 
that small little change adds, you know, just so much to to a project. The, the, the smallest thing has, you know, major repercussions. You just have to ask the, you know, ask the question, I want to do this. What, what all is going to be involved in this change? What, what, what is the flow chart of what happens at this point if I make this change or I want this done? Sometimes it's just things you want to have done. I got another little example of that right now that we're doing. Um, we built a, built a car for a guy and he wanted, it had, uh, it had an air ride on it and he wanted a lower ride height on this car. And the, the wheels that he picked was not a custom backspacing wheel. It was a, you know, a one piece cast wheel. And, you know, I told him, I explained to him, I'm like, well, you know, the only way to uh, fix this is we've got to order different wheels. If you want a lower ride height, because it just it physically just wouldn't turn. It hit the fenders. So if you want a lower ride height, we've got you know we'll change the change the suspension, and we got to order a set of wheels. And um, so he was like, okay, well, that's what I want. So you know we're we're waiting on wheels right now. <laughs> I've got. Another project from my past is I tried for the longest time to convince that, that this car should have a floor shift. This car needs a floor shift. It was supposed to have a floor shift. Well, the parts we ordered came with a column shift. Yes, but those parts just happened to be thrown into the box. We need to find floor shift components. And then when you're just about done and you got all the mounts made and everything's fabricated and your steering column set, the transmission set, the motor set, the client then goes, you know, somebody said that this car is supposed to have a, a, fl a floor shift. What's your opinion on that? Um, yeah, I, I could go with that idea. I really think that's the way it should, should be. I've kind of mentioned it to you before. Paper trails. Paper trails are important. <laughs> oh, no, you never. Yep. <laughs> no, you did it. Yeah, here it is. Here it is in the email that <laughs> you should do this. Oh, yeah, I think we should go ahead and do that. Do you know how many hours I have into designing the linkage, designing the column shift, getting all of the mounts? All of that is 100, 110 hours wasted. And now, guess what? You're going to pay me another 100, 110 hours to do this with a floor shift. So, I, like I say, I like using the $100 an hour variable. You already paid me $10,000 to do it. You're going to pay me $10,000 more to do it. 110 hours, that's three more weeks to the restoration. And that's $10,000 more to the restoration budget. This is why we go over budget and over time all the time uh, it's a lot of the time it isn't an unscrupulous shop it's, a lot of times it's you the car owner making the decisions and a lot of times it's the car and i might even say eh, no i won't say because in most of the time it's the owner but a lot of times it's the car where all of a sudden you know that unexpected rust is there or uh, 64 impala convert 64 impala ss convertible i did years ago probably one of the most rusted cars I've ever been involved with. I think a Chrysler 300C 
convertible might have been more rusty at some point. But at least we had a donor car for that one. Or this one, the the rockers were rusted out. And you go, oh, yeah, you can order rockers. Well, the inner rockers are rusted out because a convertible has basically an I-beam in the rockers to prevent the car from folding in half. Nobody makes that. So not only do you have to cut the rockers out, brace the car, you know, you really didn't have to cut the rockers out. They just kind of fell out. But then you had to fabricate these new I-beams to go in the rockers and, you know, just little things like that, that the car owner, he thought he had a really good car. He thought this car was coming in for, uh, you know, he was doing a quick flip to it. You know, and as we started to take it apart, we started to warn him and warn him and warn him issue after issue after issue. And he kept going and going and going. And at some point, um, I think when we were done, his bill in the metal shop was one hundred and eighty three thousand dollars. And that, you know, at that point, you know, we haven't done motor work, interior work, paint work. That is to make the car solid enough that we can bolt things to it again. And <laughs> yep, and I want to bring up something on that, John. That was actually putting the car back the way it came. So let's say you wanted to customize that car. You wanted to change some body lines. You wanted to shave door handles. You wanted to change the wheel well openings a little bit. You wanted to chop the top, whatever. You know, you can double that real quick um putting something back the way it came is 99 percent of the time a whole lot quicker than doing one that is custom uh custom sheet metal fab is is a very time consuming process that you just you gotta hand make um where when you're putting a car back original most of the time there are, you know, already stamped products out there. Yes, none of them fit. There's nothing out there that does fit. You do have to modify it a little bit, but, you know, a little slice and weld here versus making an entire panel is a whole lot quicker than than just making it. And I think a lot of those little things that we've discussed, um, Sorry, that's our podcast co-host uh, tech, <laughs> texting me. The one that's absent, supposed to be busy. But um, uh, what do I want to say? Say that I hope that sheds some light onto why your one-year restoration takes eighteen months or twenty months. You know, just little things, little changes, unexpected things. Um, like I said, a lot of times, more often than not, it's the client. The second is it's the car. And then the other one is the shop overselling their abilities and trying trying to make it look like they know what they're doing. You know, they're, it's the CYA, cover their ass. Well, I'd like to add a little something to that, too. It, you know, like in, in our industry, the shop owners are throwing ideas to the customer. So it's as much the shop owner as it, as it is the customer. So we're, we're trying to give you our ideas, which 99% of the time, it's going to be something that's going to be a little more time consuming to, to individualize that car 
to the customer liking or our liking or what we think would work best to go after this award or that award or, or whatever. So, you know, in the custom car world, it has a lot to do with the design and, and making something a little more unique than the next guy. So we're trying to sell that to the customer as well. So yes, the customer needs to agree to that. So essentially it's not just the customer, it is the customer and, and the shop owner. I know that that happens a lot here. Um, we've got a pretty major project going on right now that, um, we hadn't been working on it a whole lot and that's already happened several times where I've, I've called the customer and been like, Hey, what if, what if we take this and change this a little bit and do that? And essentially it's going to be a little more time consuming to do, but the end result's going to be better. And, and most of the time they, they, they go along with it pretty well. So, sorry, kind of a brain fart there. Um, so I guess Will's going to take a little bit of the blame for the, the delaying because he, he, he's, um, such a creative thinker. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll, I'll take some of the blame. It's, you know, it's, it's really what happens. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie about it. You know, we do, we, you know, all, all hot rod shops want to, want to build the, the best car that they can possibly build. I, well, I say all hot rod shops, all the ones that I'm familiar with. Um, it's not that we're trying to outdo the next guy or anything like that. It's just uh, when when your creative juices get to flowing and 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 you can modify something and and make it a little different or a little better or make it appealing to the eye a little bit more or something to that nature. It's it's just something that we shoot for. So, you know, having, having that conversation with, with some customers is fairly easy and with some customers is, is fairly difficult. Uh, some will budge and some won't. So it's, uh, it's, it's partly our fault too, you know. But I guess to, if you're a client or if you're a, if you're a car owner out there, I guess that's what I want to say. And you've got a car in a shop and it's way behind schedule. I guess the nice thing to say is then you're not alone. It happens. It happens to just about everybody. If it's not happening to you, I probably would say something's wrong. Uh, that's not exactly it, but yeah, that's exactly it. Something's wrong. If, if, if. <laughs> so don't worry. I think the shops are being honest. Most shops are being honest with you. Um, I've got to put that in because there are some crooked. It, it's kind of the norm in the industry. And like I said, I the podcast I was listening to was um, it was the new car cast, which I could go on a tirade about. Hey, let's create a new podcast with two hosts and use the name of another really popular podcast that I also co-host on. But either way, the new car cast with Matt DeAndrea and uh, Goldberg, the old wrestler. Goldberg even said, oh, it's like one of my projects that it takes forever and it never gets done. Well, yeah, that's kind of it. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have or the power you have. A lot of these projects go over. And 
You know, like Will said, he's building a car for the Riddler and he missed it by a year. Well, for <laughs> you're building for the Riddler, you either hit the date or it's going to take another year. So, I mean, it's not like there's... <laughs> And, and and you will work on it hard for another year. I know I know Riddler projects out there that there's actually one that I'm fairly familiar with that was supposed to have been there when we were there four years ago, and it still hadn't made it. So, you know, we're we're looking at four or five years over budget and over time and everything else, you know. So. Um, to the guys out there that are a year behind, that that, that that make you feel a little bit better about it. Um, and you know, there's a couple more out there that I know that are a couple of years. Um, I mean, I, I hate to use the word behind because, you know, a project like that, it's done when it's done. You you can't you can't rush it, or you're going to miss something that could be the difference between you making the grade eight, not making the grade eight, winning the Riddler or not winning the Riddler. Behind's really not the word. It's just you set a goal to make it whatever year and you know, you just you just you just miss it, miscalculate it. Um you think things are gonna be ready and and you know, it could be anything from having custom one off wheels machined for some reason you're having some specialized coating put on it and it it didn't stick. Okay. Well, you know, if that, if that didn't happen, well, guess what? You know, we've spent a million dollars not to debut it at a, um, a, a world of wheels. So we got to debut it in Detroit. So uh, just crazy things happen. And it, I mean, that is a different level. I mean, not, not all of us are, doing Riddler cars, 50 of us, 50 of us in the world, 50 out of 6 billion are doing Riddler cars every, you know, for, for a year. So that's not all of us, but the level that a Riddler um, goes to, and I'm th- trying to think back. So I, no, I, I'm being a podcast guy. I listen to a lot of podcasts and one is hosted by Brad Fanshawe, which used to be, he used to be a president of Boyd, and, you know, work closely with Boyd. And I can't remember what car he was talking about. Uh, I can't remember. They had one up for the Riddler. And the reason they lost is they didn't have laser engraved valve stem caps. That was the deciding factor between them win or, winning or losing. And supposedly he did say, Boyd said, you know what? If it comes down to laser engraved valve stem caps next year, we're going to lose. Because you just thought it was a stupid modification, but that that's how precise and how perfect the cars are. It had to be, you know, these cars were equally perfect in every way, but the builder that won laser engraved his valve stem caps and that, that was the deciding factor. And, you know, that's less than a square inch on the entire car. You know, I've made cars make their deadline. I had one that had to be at Amelia Island. It was going to debut at Amelia Island 2004. We got it to Amelia. It showed well. It did what the owner wanted it to do. He never expected to win. He ended up getting some some award for it. I'll be honest. I can't remember. It was 14 years ago. Uh, But when we got done at Amelia, we brought it back to the shop. Three more months' work to get the car really ready. 
and it probably took us really another year to get that car all sorted. And with a couple of my visits of me flying to his home and doing the last bits of work to the car, they're just projects and they go on and don't, don't be upset if you're a few months behind and always allow for that. And if you have any questions, of course, will I, or even Derek, even though he, we figured this would be a good topic without him because he's never worked really in the commercial industry for, for paying clients. But, but he, he has some experience in that too. And he's very knowledgeable. Reach out to, out to us and ask. And like I say, I, I, I don't do restoration for a living anymore. I don't get paid to do restoration. I'm in the museum world. I work for basically one person and one person only. So I have no problem consulting on a restoration. You can, uh, shameless plug, you can hire me and I'll help you with the, you know, whatever level you want, whether you want me to audit every bill or be your middleman or, you know, every email you get. I'll look at them and, um, you know, if you think you're being steered the wrong way, ask, you know, send us an email. We'll, we'll answer it. We'll give you our our advice, right or wrong, we're going to give you, we'll give you our advice. But that's why we're here is to help you enjoy the collector car hobby. Anything else you have to say in conclusion tonight, Will? Or I think we're going to, we're about at that hour mark and it's about time for probably you to go back to work and me to go back to bed. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is, is have somewhat of a budget in mind but just just be willing to compromise with your builder you know he's going to throw some ideas at you that um possibly you didn't think of or or you know you're going to run into some problems that you know you thought you bought a really really good car um so before you even buy that next project and you're going to have somebody build it for you Go ahead and pick the guy that's going to build it for you and help him, let him help you pick it out. Um, I mean, it's what we do for a living. Um, we can spot things that a lot of guys can't spot. So I'm not saying we can see everything. That That's impossible to do. But, you know, just a, a little paint bubble that you might miss that could make you look somewhere else and realize the whole floor pan's rusted out of the thing or I mean, just something really, really minute on the outside could be something major on the inside. So, you know, that that's my biggest advice is if, if you're going to have a car built and you don't have the project, pick the guy that's going to build it and have him help you find that car. Um, matter of fact, they may even know where one's at. You know, I have people call me all the time you know, want me to buy this or want to buy that for, for a project. So, um, that could save you a lot of money in the long run. And, you know, the guy that's building it, you may have to wait a couple of years before he can get started on it, but it's something he can, he can help you do and, and, and have an idea of, of what he's looking at before he even gets started on it. Very sound advice. And, Basically, like Will was saying, an expert can find something that you might miss. Uh, friends don't like going to concours with me anymore or car auctions because they'll see a perfect car and 
I, I can say, okay, pick six square inches and then they'll point to a section and I'll tell them 12 mistakes or 12 flaws or, you know, and it's just one of those little things. Every now and then I'll lose, but I'll usually find three or four things wrong in whatever little section of the car, whether you know, the welting's rolled or whether the glass is delaminating or a weather strip's turn, you know, turned wrong. There's always something, some little detail. Um, and that's what, you know, we're the, we're there for, or uh, or we can be there for, I guess, is to you know look at it with an expert eye and find some of those issues that you might overlook with either buyer's excitement or God, I've been looking for six months because I really want to build a you know nineteen forty eight Pontiac two door sedan with you know. And this is the first one I've found. Well, they built a lot of them. We'll find them. I mean, even cars they built 500 of, I can usually find you two of them for sale. So, but with that, like I said, I'm going to probably close this down and head to bed. And I think Will's going back to work. Yep. Got work to do. Guess what? I got a deadline that I'm probably going to miss if I don't get my butt to work. (laughs) happens every week so with that said i'm out of here me too